0: This podcast is brought to you by WatchCity Research, your user research partner. Check out WatchCityResearch.com for insightful blog posts and to learn more about our UX research services. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 97 UX Things podcast. Dan Berlin here, your host and book editor. I'm joined this week by Caitlin Thompson, who wrote the chapter, The Right Screener Sets Up Your Recruit and Research for Success. Welcome, Caitlin
1: hey dan thanks for having me
0: thanks for joining the podcast can you please tell us a little bit about yourself
1: yeah sure Uh, i'm Caitlin thompson i use she and they pronouns and i work as a ux researcher at a nonprofit supporting lgbtq youth and i'm currently based out of western massachusetts nice
0: can you tell us your ux journey please how did you discover ux and how did you wind up where you are today
1: yeah i was lucky to have found ux early on i was actually a junior in high school and i was touring bentley college And after the tour guide took us uh, through the fancy uh, trading room, they took us by the Design and Usability Testing Center. And they told us a story about how the center had been featured on 2020 about a story about how parents often struggled with toy instructions and setting up toys Mm. for their children to use. At the time I had planned to study web design and thought that the UX grad program would be a great supplement to my studies in web design. But once I started in the grad program, I realized that UX research was actually the thing for me. Uh, I loved talking with people and observing how folks interacted with products and systems, and then taking that feedback back into the design and development processes. Since going through the grad program, I uh, have done a a lot of different things. Uh, I had some internships during school, actually, and I ended up working at the design and usability center, which was cool to kind of come full circle. I then also worked for a few months uh, after school doing usability research on tax software. I then spent eight years trying to make more customers of an office supply retailer say that was easy. And uh, after helping folks explore destinations and plan travel, I've now landed at an LGBTQ youth crisis support line, working primarily on the systems and tools that our staff use while on shift.
0: Great. Yeah. Thanks for that journey. You mentioned, um, focusing more on research and some of the reasons behind that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What, what about research draws you in?
1: Yeah, I think just sort of getting to connect with folks and learn about their experiences and how they, how the products and systems that I'm working on kind of fit into their lives, I think is really interesting and also kind of helping them achieve their goals more easily is, is really exciting. So I love that kind of contextual inquiry work and, uh, sort of the, the features, uh, that products can offer.
0: Yeah. Are there any research studies in particular that you enjoyed from your, from your career?
1: Um, I think one that was really interesting to me, actually, when I was back at Bentley was, uh, one around a, uh, phone system that helped elderly folks, uh, with support as needed, um, hmm. in emergencies. And one of the key features that we were interested in was around the setup of this phone. Uh, So at the time it was something that needed to be plugged into a telephone line as well as a power plug. Um, And so we actually had the opportunity to go out and visit folks in their homes and and have them sort of walk through the process of the installation. And we also gave folks the opportunity if they had a caregiver or a family member who they might typically call on to help them do such a thing, to have that person also participate in the session. So that was kind of an exciting um, opportunity to sort of see that environment and Mm. understand what that process would be like for folks.
0: You bring up a great point about caregiver Mm -hmm. Uh, when doing that sort of research. You you should be deciding that in advance how much uh, help a caregiver can give or not. Right. Um, what did you do in that study? Do you remember? Yeah,
1: I don't remember exactly the specifics. I think we we allowed those folks to be there. And we also mm-hmm. kind of interviewed the um, participants as well about like what, you know, what level of uh, support they typically have a caregiver gives. So sometimes it's a family member who, you know, visits them every week. And so they could have someone do that. And some folks like lived in an assisted living where there were staff uh, available for them right. to help. But I, you know, some people had to move a a couch to, like, access the telephone line. So clearly, like, that wouldn't have been something that, like, most of the participants would have been able to do. So I think we sort of noted a lot of the uh, hurdles that folks could uh, find when doing the physical setup. And then we, there was also some setup with the system where you had to, like, call a number to, like, confirm that your phone worked and, like like activate the service and so we tried to have uh the elderly folks be the ones who did more of that setup um and and then sort of have the caregiver kind of step in as needed as opposed to having the caregiver be the primary participant
0: right um well thanks for all of that your your chapter the right screener sets up your recruit and research for success can you tell us about that please yeah,
1: sure so you know the process of, of writing screeners and making sure that you get the right people so that you can your research activity allows you to learn what you want to learn out of it um, before i jump into the act of writing screener i want to talk a bit about the recruiting process uh, so when i first started in ux recruiting was typically done either using your own list of customers that you had Um, either because they purchased on your website and provided an email address or some other method that you had to contact them, or by using a recruiting agency who typically had their own list of folks in a panel. Sometimes they would cold call people and then they would kind of like walk through the screener questions with folks on the phone. But in the past few years, there's been a number of new tools that have made finding participants so much easier. There's remote unmoderated tools where they have their own panelists, where you kind of create a survey screener and folks complete that in real time. There's other online panels with folks just waiting to participate in your research, who complete the screener, and then you kind of select from a list of qualified folks to part, to invite them to participate. And this has made the process of recruiting and scheduling participants so much easier, but it's also made the art of writing screener questions, uh, so much more important with such a large group of people to choose from. And most of the screening typically happening automatically, you want to make sure that you're getting the right folks who will be qualified to provide the feedback that you're looking for. So with that said, with regards to writing the screener, the first thing that you'll want to figure out is what are the criteria of the folks that you're looking to talk to? Are there certain characteristics or behaviors that you need participants to have? So let's imagine maybe that you're running research on, re- on a redesigned flight booking tool. Um, so maybe one criteria that you'll want to have is to have folks who have booked a plane ticket online recently. You don't want to start a session off about your plane, uh, flight booking website and have a participant say, Oh, I usually just have a travel agent do all this stuff. The websites are too confusing right. for me. That is, unless of course, you're looking to recruit people who don't typically use websites to see if your website, is easy enough for folks like that to use. Um, Yep.
0: The naive approach.
1: Exactly. Once you've got your list of criteria, you'll want to prioritize that. What are the characteristics that are must-haves? What are nice to haves? You'll also want to get alignment with your stakeholders on this so that, you know, once your recruit is started, you'll know where are the areas that you can make concessions if needed. Maybe originally you wanted somebody who typically pays to check a bag when they're flying. But as the recruiter goes on, you're having trouble finding these folks. Maybe this isn't a key element of the website that you're researching. Maybe you haven't changed the design there. Maybe that's something you can forego. And then you just sort of maybe could ask participants to imagine that they needed to check a bag and that they had, you know, price was no object with regards to booking.
0: Do you tell the recruiter in advance where that flexibility is, or do you tend to hang on to that until later?
1: It can depend uh typically when working with like recruiting agencies. I tend to use the same folks over and over, so I kind of have that relationship with them, and so I will try and tell those folks up front like this is something that like maybe we're willing to compromise on, but like these are the questions that we're definitely not willing to compromise on um and so that allows them I find to like do their job a little bit better. Um, What you don't want to do is like, have them be like, we were unable to find anyone who was willing to pay for bag fees, which is not true, because there are a lot of people who pay for bag fees, myself included. So I think it's just like, I find the more information that you can provide them, the better they'll be at giving you the participants. So setting those Mm -hmm. firm ones, I think are more important, maybe than like the ones that you're willing to wiggle on, but it's kind of the same process. Gotcha. Um, So another thing, that you'll want to consider when you're writing your screener is the format or method that your questions will be asked. Are they going to be shown on the screen one at a time, or will they be shown on the screen all at once? Sometimes with using the online tools, you, you don't know actually. And so I, I try and sign up for these tools as a participant myself. So I get a bit better feel of what it's like to go through the tests or the screeners. So that can be helpful to understand the format. Is the question going to be read aloud over the phone? If you are using that online survey tool, does it have the capabilities to have complicated screening criteria where you could have multiple options that could be selected to qualify somebody, or does the tool just use more simple logic? And then you might have to kind of break your question into two separate questions in order Mm -hmm. to allow or disallow somebody through.
0: Why is it important to know about whether it's one question per screen or multiple questions per screen? Yeah.
1: So one thing that I like to think about is having your questions kind of build up to your requirements. So thinking Mm. about uh, this flight thing, I might ask people like what brands they've booked at, because maybe I either want them to have booked through my website or to not have booked through my website or by like flown through my brand. And so I might not want to start off with that question of like, which brands are you familiar with? I might want to start off with like, Hey, have you flown in the last year? And so if the questions are all on one page, the question of like, what have you done in the last year with flown on an airplane or like purchase air tickets being one option. And then the next question is like, Oh, what flight brands are you familiar with? You, if it's all on one page, the, first question is not super helpful because people could go back when you see that the rest of your questions are about flying and right. fudge that first choice of like, Oh yeah, well I flew, it was like two years ago, but maybe I'll choose it here. So that's just something that I think about if they're all on one page that like the element of like progressive disclosure is not as useful. Yep. Is there a way around that? Um, Get the tool to give you the option to show the, questions one at a time or add page breaks. Um, The tool that I'm thinking of, I believe they do allow for page breaks, but I think it is like an added feature. Like you have to be at a certain level or like pay for advanced recruiting or something. So I do think it, you know, there you can get around it, but I think you might get those people who are more likely to kind of like fudge into the people that we kind of used to call the professional testers. Right. So kind of once you've got your criteria defined and and ranked in terms of priority and figured out the methods that you're gonna be using, it's time to actually write the screener questions. Um, And the same principles that apply to survey and task writing also apply to screener questions. You wanna make sure that you use language that folks will understand, avoid jargon and acronyms that they might not not be familiar with. And you also wanna make sure that you're giving folks an out to the question. So that question I mentioned before about the brands of airlines that you've flown You also always want to have a none of the above, even if you ask the question before, like, have you flown in the US and you list all the brands, you kind of always want to give folks that none of the above. You don't want to put folks in a position where they have to lie in order to like advance to the next question. Yep. And then I did mention earlier kind of about that progressive disclosure, but there are sometimes, as it often can in the UX space, it can depend. Sometimes you might want to start off with a more specific question. So. Maybe you're looking for folks traveling to Washington DC during the weekend of July 4th. And so you might wanna start off with that as like one of the first few questions instead of having it at the 10th question where you've kind of wasted folks time right. and then they, they don't qualify since that's such a specific requirement. Um, and so also kind of thinking about the, the method for asking the questions, circling back to that now that you're writing the questions, if you were asking that brand question over the phone, instead of, you know, reading the 10 brands and then having people kind of remember which 10 were listed and which ones they've flown, you might be better off to kind of ask the question of like, oh, like thinking about the last year, have you flown on American Airlines? And then they can respond yes or no. Have you flown on British Airways and kind of like run through the list that way? Um, Instead of Mm -hmm. on a survey, you would just list them all and they could pick them. You wouldn't want to ask yes or no questions for each of them in the online survey
0: that doesn't get too onerous for the, the
1: respondents that way i mean it does take a little bit more time but uh perhaps maybe you would reduce the list of that you read to folks mm. and so maybe if you had 10 for the online maybe you'd reduce the list to five and, and including the one that gotcha. you care about but yeah the phone screener does take a lot longer and again it it also can depend i, I haven't worked in this side of things so i don't know how they do it but sometimes they might ask questions differently if it's in their panel versus whether they're cold calling someone. Mm. So if it, if there are people in the panel who like have already like opted into spending time seeing if they qualify, maybe they go through all the questions in order. Perhaps maybe if they're cold calling someone, they're like, "Hey, we're looking to do research around booking flights. Um, have you flown on this brand recently?" You know, like they they might like pick the one that's of more important just to, to like lead with yeah. but yeah i can't speak too much of that because i've never worked on that side of things but yeah i think again like thinking about the method and actually like when you have your intro meeting with your recruiter your recruiting agency like they might bring something like that up like this is how we typically do things we find it works better instead of reading yep. 10 options that you maybe only care about one or let's let's see if everybody qualifies and then get the full list of like what other brands they've flown because sometimes that's helpful to know what other brands they also like fly with. So once you've got all your questions written, it's time to start the recruit. And again, depending on the tools, sometimes you just launch the recruit and the sessions happen. Sometimes you have that ability to select folks from a qualified list, again, referencing your original prioritization requirements. And then there you're ready to start the research, but Like I always say, it's always good to evaluate and iterate Mm -hmm. on your own work. And so maybe you've got your participants in and you realize that a lot of the folks that are um, sitting in for the sessions have been only traveling for business. And that experience of booking flights for business is very different. Typically, you use an internal tool. So maybe they flew on our brand, but they didn't actually book on our website. So maybe there's you know some additional questions to ask around you know whether they used our website or whether they're traveling for leisure or something so important to always iterate and then hopefully with all that in mind you've recruited the right folks and they'll be able to provide the best feedback uh, that you're looking for
0: everything you just said um reminds me about best practices for a survey you know a screener is similar to a survey Mm -hmm. and you know like you said giving them an out Uh, making sure there are choices for everyone, make sure they don't lie, because we want to make sure that we are getting the right people in the door.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of survey design in your greener.
0: I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier. It sounds like you've used a lot of different types of recruiters, whether it's someone using Mm -hmm. uh, the phone and their panel or cold calling or an online uh, services panel. Are there quality differences that you've come across uh something mm-hmm. that comes up in the field a lot you know uh and as you said avoiding uh professional participants expert participants um so i'm wondering if you've ever found with the online panels that they are professional participants
1: mm-hmm. yeah i do think you know it is always a question of like quality versus price versus also speed i think too and one thing that i have learned especially when it comes to unmoderated sessions actually having people who are well-versed at doing moderated sessions are much better at doing moderated sessions, as opposed to if you send a moderated session link to your own users who maybe like, aren't used to talking aloud, they're probably not going to do as great at giving feedback in a moderated session. With regards to kind of the online panels for like a scheduled interview, I do think that there are people in the in actually both the panels of the online panels versus kind of the the recruiting panels who tend to do a lot of that work over and over so i've included this before and i've seen this a lot where folks are like when was the last time that you participated in a research activity like and screening out people at least two of like three months or something i've also seen it where it's like when was the last time you participated in something about travel you know so maybe they Provided I'm thinking about Gillette, who did a lot of work um, with an agency I used before. you know, maybe they participated in feedback for right. Gillette product, but I'm looking about airline travel, so I'm like less worried about them so but yeah, I think it is something to consider. I have found like most of the people that I've gotten tend to be more regular people, but every once in a while you will you will get that professional tester
0: right. Um, This is give a lot of great information here today. Was there anything else about your chapter that you were hoping to convey?
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that I didn't really mention was about ways that you can use screeners to capture somebody's ability to provide feedback. So we were just talking about kind of a quality Mm -hmm. participant. And so sometimes more so on the phone, you can do this, but you can ask people, you know, tell me about a recent trip that you took. And if they can kind of describe and provide, you know, put words together in a way that makes sense and describe their trip, you can kind of evaluate whether they would be a good participant mm-hmm. for an interview. Um, and you can do that on on uh, online screeners as well using like open-ended questions. I always try and say like, in two to three sentences, tell me about your last trip that you took or, or about an upcoming trip. And the people who say, you know, I'm going to New York City, right. it's like, bah you couldn't follow kind of the simple instructions. Then you know, sometimes the topic isn't as exciting as travel. And so folks may have trouble like coming up with the um, two to three sentences. But if you're planning to speak with them for an hour, then you'd kind of hope that they could write a few sentences. So that's sort of another like soft skill type of screener uh, criteria that you could use if that if you find that. You're, maybe if you're particularly like using your own customer panel and not sort of people who are used to doing types of research activities, that is something that you could work into your screener.
0: With that, though, and, and I love doing that, too. I have that in all of my screeners. But the question always are, uh, comes up is how do we avoid biasing who we are recruiting because of that? Maybe, you know, English isn't the first language of the respondent. Is there something to, we, we can be doing there thinking about there?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point, and I I think communication skills is an interesting thing, and I so I would say like thinking about like grammatic grammatically correct answers is maybe like less important, but if the person is having trouble like stringing together, I I do think the online survey with a written response does sort of put people at a slight disadvantage who may be better communicating Mm -hmm. orally. But yeah, that and and if that's the case, if you are maybe looking. To do research with with a population like that then maybe you're better off to kind of have people fill out the online survey but then do an added phone screen to kind of like gauge more of their communication level or kind of like a an intro session uh i've done that before where it's like 15 minute intro before the interview just to like confirm that folks will be able to provide useful feedback especially if you have high stakes observers or i know some places i've worked we had like customer panels where like know, 40 people would be observing. And it's like, well, we want to make sure that these people are going to be good participants. So having that sort of like pre-work activity or meetup uh, could be helpful.
0: So we're just about out of time here and you gave us a lot of great information. So thanks for all of that. In the final segment here, we love getting a career tip. Uh, is there a career tip you'd like to pass on to folks who are either starting off in UX or are advanced practitioners?
1: Yeah, I think something that I would encourage folks to uh, learn more about is the domain that they're working in, um, and the systems that their users are using. So we are often very interested in our users and how they interact with our products. But I think understanding how your product works kind of a little bit on the back end, allows you to provide better recommendations about how, how you can meet the needs of your users um, and, and better implement the feedback Mm. that you're recommending. One example of this um, was we had a section on our app that was called Nearby. And given the context of the rest of the page, uh, a lot of users thought that this was things that were nearby to the destination that they had just been looking at. But in fact, it was things that were nearby to where they currently were. And uh, after sharing that feedback, my recommendation was to update the content in that section to have it be things nearby to their destination, but we were about to launch, we didn't have time, and so the answer was basically no. But the recommendation that I sort of came back with was, well, can we just change the title of the section to say nearby to you now or your your city? And that was easy to do and we were able to implement that. So just an example of how sort of understanding your system allows you to better provide recommendations and work with your stakeholders.
0: Yeah, knowing the implications of your recommendations is huge.
1: Exactly, yeah. And oftentimes I'll provide one, you know, this would be amazing if we could do this, but if we can't do that, here's maybe another thing that we could do. So sort of stating the problem and then providing different recommendations.
0: Yeah, and and, and by showing that progression, you know, shows your understanding of the entire system and and helps with buy-in as well. Yep. Uh, So great. We are out of time here. Uh, You gave us a lot of great information here today. So uh, thanks for joining the podcast here today.
1: Yeah, it was a great chatting with you, Dan. Thanks so much.
0: My guest today has been Caitlin Thompson, who wrote the chapter The Right Screener Sets Up Your Recruit and Research for Success. Hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks, everyone. The 97 UX Things podcast is a companion to the book 97 Things Every UX Practitioner Should Know, published by O'Reilly, and all book royalties go to UX nonprofits. The theme music is Iron Lung by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and I'm your host and book editor, Dan Berlin. Please remember to find the needs in your community and fill them with your best work. Thanks for listening.